Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. People like me, Michelle Kane with Voice Matters, and my wonderful, fabulous co-host, Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro. Hi, Karen. How are you today? I'm good, Michelle. How are you? I am well. I am well, thank you. It's hard to believe we are looking the fourth quarter square in the eye very soon. So today we thought we'd talk about things you should be doing to get ready for the end of the year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, some really good practical tips that, you know, these will not be new, but it's always good to have that reminder because especially if you've been doing this for a while, we can get a little lax and it's like, oh, Oh, I should doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, even though as solos, we are very self-motivated, sometimes it is nice to have that tap on the shoulder of, um, you know, you should be preparing for right now, you know, and and that can be on your administrative side, right? Like making sure you're, you know, you're getting your quarterly tax payments in, making sure you're keeping up with your records and your books, and then on the on the client side, you know, if your clients are putting together their 2023 budgets to uh, start having those conversations and making sure that you are in their mix for the coming year. So we're going to touch on all of those good things today. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, I would start one of the easiest things that you can do at this time of year is to, you know, go ahead and run your profit and loss statement, mm-hmm. your expense statement, and take a look at any areas that you no longer need. It's it's really right. easy to subscribe to tools that you need it for like a particular set of clients. And maybe you've changed your services a little bit and you don't need that anymore. And so you yeah. can eliminate those tools because tools can have a sneaky way of just, you know, auto charging and you kind of forget about it. And then you're like, I don't need that anymore. I don't even right. do that. Anymore. So audit <laughs> the things that you're spending money on. And, you know, eliminate anything that's no longer useful. And for other services, it's a great time to look around and make sure that the service that you're subscribing to still meets your needs and is still at a price point that makes sense. Media databases come to mind. It's something that usually there's a one-year contract. And before your contract expires, some require a 90-day notice of cancellation. So what I always do with those contracts is that when I sign a contract, I put it on my calendar and I put it like months before I have to make the decision. And then another reminder so that I don't miss the date. And that helps me to, you know, not lose track of that kind of thing. So use your calendar for that kind of thing, but check around, you know, is there Mm -hmm. another service that is offering the same services for a lower price point. Maybe you're not happy with, maybe you like the database, but you don't like the service and you're motivated to change. Just check and make sure that again, it's still a fit for you. Right. And, and also compare that against, you know, how often you use it, how useful it was to you. Another thing that comes to mind is, you know, your, the utilities, right. That your internet service, are you, are you leaving a lot of data on the table and giving them more money than you need to? I know I asked this of myself. I'm always so paranoid to downgrade my phone data plan when I realize, especially with the pandemic, oh, like you've left the house to use your phone data. 
you're on Wi-Fi anyway. But, you know, little things like that, those services that you might not think of that are related to your business, it, it can't hurt. Another one that comes to mind, I don't know about how things are where you are, but, you know, in Pennsylvania, we recently had a change in the way our power was priced. And if you weren't in tune with that and didn't know to take a look and choose a provider, uh, you were going to get some serious sticker shock in your in your invoice. So just just take it only take oh, 30 minutes an hour. Take the time. It'll be well worth it to do that. Yeah, I would probably break this up into small chunks of time so that yeah. it doesn't feel overwhelming because, you know, there there are a variety of tasks that you should be doing. One of the big ones and this is you know, we know by now you're already in talks with your clients about continuing contracts. If your contracts expire at the end of the year, you're in in negotiations about rates. But to really have those conversations intelligently, I would recommend two things. One, an audit of client fit. I think that sometimes we don't do that in a systematic way. We do it when there is a frustration that we can no longer <laughs> annoy. But right. you want to, you know, take a look at your clients one by one. How much time is this client really costing me? Because there's there's a cost associated with it. Is it a client that requires a lot of handholding, a lot of extra meetings? a lot of little things that sort of add up. If that's true, is there something that you can do to coach and communicate with this client to bring them down to a level that is a little more manageable? Can you make some changes? Are they would they be open to that? You want to, you know, assess that you're still delivering the right mix of services. So sometimes you have a client but you've altered your services. So maybe you're in a two, three-year contract and you sort of, you're doing things for them that you no longer do for other people. Right? Are they still a fit with where you are right now in your business and in your career? This does not mean that you have to cut them off immediately, but you need information so that you go into these talks with a clear mind of, what you want your business to look like in the next year, two, three. Do they fit? Do they fit with that vision? And if not, is there something that you need to change? Should you be looking at a shorter term contract because eventually you want to transition them? Should you be looking at the mix of, of a team that you work with, if you subcontract, so that you can offload some of those responsibilities that you no longer want or enjoy doing? and outsource that portion of it? Or, you know, again, does this, is there an expiration date on this client? And what steps do you need to take now to make that happen? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now is the time, you know, and especially with with your rates, because we know everything is going up, which may make you reluctant to be among that, however, you are still a business and even a reasonable small percentage is not out of hand, you know, especially really if you haven't is, raised your rates in a while. If you haven't raised your rates in a while, definitely you should do that. If you are turning down work because you're too busy, then it's time to up your rates for new clients. And, and you could probably give yourself a significant increase and you're probably afraid to do it, don't be. Right. For any of our pro premium members, I highly recommend 
looking at our series, our money series, which talks about all of these issues and we'll walk you through it because it will be very helpful. Many of your peers are probably charging more than you are. So you can give yourself a rate by increasing your rate and decreasing your client base. That gives you an increase because now you're getting higher value for the work that you offer right. rather than running around at the slow price and you know juggling a million clients and making yourself crazy. Yeah. Yeah. More money, less time. I love it. More money. <laughs> and that series for our members is show me the money. It's one of those series that is truly evergreen. A lot of thought and effort went into those pieces of content, a lot of research, a lot of counsel from experts in that field and from our, our founder, Kelly Crane. And it's a really, really, really great series that I highly recommend. So the next thing that I would recommend is doing a profit and loss analysis. So here's the thing. It's really easy to say, okay, I have a $20,000 a month retainer and, you know, look at that as $20,000 a month coming in and you're satisfied with that amount because it fits for the scope of work that you're doing. But after your overhead, your expenses. So after you deduct the the tool allocation to that client, you know, so the media database, the CRM tools, your website, your email, all of the little things that we use, your social media management system that you may be using for them. So coverage book, all of those things, all of those tools, plus all of your business expenses, your taxes, when you deduct all that, and if you're outsourcing any portion. So maybe you you truly are a solo, but maybe you use subcontractors for various things. So maybe you bring on media relations support when you have a big project, maybe you use an admin, bookkeeping services, all of those kind of things are part of your expenses. When you allocate all of your overhead and deduct that from your profit, what are you really making? And that that's an important thing to look at at least annually to ensure that you are hitting your targeted profit margins. Now your profit mm-hmm. margin is your preference. You get to set that. Maybe you're happy making a 10% profit. Maybe you want to make 20% profit. Maybe you want to make a 40% profit. That's up to you. But it starts with doing that analysis. And the reason you should do it client by client is because some clients may be paying the same exact fee, but may be using more services. Right. Either right. in your hours or in the allocation of how tools are divided. So you may have somebody that their coverage reports take, you know, four hours a month and, and you're putting together metrics and KPIs. And I mean, those reports can be a beast. Whereas <laughs> another client with the same budget, it's only taking an hour. For one client, you may have weekly meetings. Hate those, ditched all of those. But <laughs> client of that same budget, maybe only have two meetings a month. And so you want to look at those nuances and make sure that on an individual client basis, that you are achieving the profit margin that you want to achieve. Right. And it's, it's so easy for that slip to happen, right? Where you're doing the work, you're billing and you're thinking you're great. But then let's say, you know, I've had situations where 
you know, as you as you get started and as you do raise your rates for clients, right? So now some it's almost like a sliding scale. And if you say, okay, I worked X, you know, I put in X number of hours this week, this is my billing, and then you divide it for the straight up hourly rate. And sometimes that can be shocking or really disappointing, but it's also like that fresh splash of cold water on your face where you realize, okay, well, I need to deal with this. Thank you for the data. That's why data is so important. I love that. Data is so important. And we really should have data-driven businesses. We need yeah. to look at our data and make those decisions on our client mix. You know, I have shuffled a lot in over the course of my career. I started out really being offering writing services and and then quickly brought in marketing and then PR and ditched the writing for many, many years. So, you know, the the mix really shifts. I've done social media. I'm officially retired from that. <laughs> so at different stages of your career, you may really be into different things. And I think annually just sitting down and evaluating what made you happy this year, you know, what, yeah. what keeps you excited about doing this work is really important. And Understanding numbers. I saw this very shocking statistic from Wave. Wave is a company that provides financial tools and a platform for indies like us and small businesses. Mm-hmm. And it was that small businesses on average have $5,000 in savings. I really believe that our audience has more than that, but I also don't want to be so cocky. It's a shocking statistic because it's not enough to cover you in the event of something catastrophic happening. And Mm -hmm. we live in a catastrophic world. We, you know, so many things can go wrong that can put a complete stop to business, let alone, you know, something, you know, unfortunately, personally happening to you where you have to absorb an expense that I really, you know, I would stress, and and if you're new and you're thinking about launching your business, I would say, be aware of this going on. And one of the ways to ensure that you have enough to put away in your savings and enough to reinvest in your business, because even as solos, and even though we think, well, it's a service business, there are still things that you need to reinvest in. You want to keep your equipment current. You want to keep your tools current. You want to invest in professional development for yourself. Um, There are things that we need to reinvest in to improve our business. Sometimes we want to redesign our website. That's an investment in our business. Maybe you want to hire someone to help you manage your own brand and social media. That's an investment in your business. Or you want to redesign a logo. All of those things are not just one and done type things in our career. Over the course of time, there are things that you're going to want to put back into the business. So I would say... Anybody who's listening and they're like, well, planning on starting a business from day one, before you start, understand the numbers, understand that you don't just go to people and say, well, what do you charge? And what's typical in the market? That's not a great way to set a rate. It is not. It is the worst thing that you can do, in my opinion, because it does not take into account the factors that are personal to you your expenses, you know, your offering mix, the time that you want to work. We all don't want to work the same amount of hours per week. So if you go to somebody who's working 60 hours a week and they're telling you I'm charging this rate, 
but you only want to work 20 billable hours a week, that's a huge gap. So right. and if you're charging the same price, you're going to have to take on so many more accounts to hit that target that this other person that's working so many more hours. And so get smart about that. There are calculators out there. Yeah, My there partners has a, a rate calculator. Again, the show me the money series can walk you through some of this, but from day one and ongoing throughout your business, know your numbers. It's not a scary thing. It's empowering. Knowledge is power. Right. And, and another good thing, like you mentioned, the professional development angle, you know, take a look at the professional associations and business associations that you are members of, like soloprpro.com, but also, you know, local chambers of commerce, regional, national business organizations, you know, just evaluate that. Don't necessarily re-up every year just because, you know, make sure, okay, do I have the time to engage with this? Am I benefiting from it? And, And that's not to say on the short end, I know, you know, one of the bits of feedback that I hear on that end is, you know, oh, well, I belong for six months and I didn't get anything out of it. Mm, a lot of times these professional organizations, they are slow burns. So it's not to say just cut something off if it didn't do anything for you within a year. But, you know, be thoughtful about it and be realistic. You know, do you anticipate belonging to those organizations helping you at the very least get in the room with prospective clients? Or if it's an organization of your peers, is it something where, you know, are you contributing? Is there an avenue for you to contribute? Are you forming any relationships with colleagues where maybe you can work together or at least refer each other work? If it, you know, there's always times where you get approached for things and you think, "Mm, I don't really do that. But hey, I know a great person who I know would be really good for your project. So just sit back and evaluate that, evaluate their costs, evaluate the cost of your time and belonging with them and just see where that might take you. But I think alongside, you know, your personal expenditures, I think just checking in on your professional development and and just see also what conferences are coming up within the coming year. That, you know, if there's something you've really wanted to attend, make it a goal. If there are things that you used to attend and you just think, "Mm, that wasn't really quite worth the money, just sit and take stock. Yeah. I would say the final thing that you should take a look at year end is your time. How do you want your calendar to look in the coming year? Do you feel like the balance is unevenly weighted in the way that you want it to be. And again, this is your business, your life. And so you're the one who gets to figure out how many billable hours you truly have, how you want to allocate your time. Maybe you're working on something different. We we have so many of our members are so amazingly accomplished and they do so many things. They teach, they're writing books, they're, you know, they're they're in office. I mean, there's just, you guys yeah. are amazing and just, you, you have passions and pursuits. Some of you, you know, are journalists in addition to being PR people. So figure out, you know, really take a realistic look. And, and this is really about cultivating 
the environment that will allow you to thrive in the coming year. And I think in recent times, we've become so much more aware of the importance of that and how that enables us to deliver our best work, which keeps us satisfied with being solos. We, you know, it's really not the money because I think for most of us, you don't need to make all the money. And sometimes you can, you'll, you're happier with less money if you're happy and you have the life that you want. And so I'm never one that's going to preach, you know, oh, you have to make X, X, X amount of dollars. You have to make the amount of money that makes you happy, but you know, you should make enough money to have the life that you really deserve. You shouldn't be struggling as an independent. That's, that doesn't make the job fair and it doesn't make it feel good. And it, it will impact how you produce when you are feeling desperate. So, but I mean, look at your time, look at your calendar. Are there too many meetings? Do you not have enough focus time? Is there something that you could be doing differently as the year comes? Did you build in vacations? Did you build in time off, even if you're not going anywhere? The end of the year is a great time to just plot those things on your calendar. It's a good time to plot out things like, you know, put in your workout schedule, because if it's on your calendar, you'll tend to work around those things. And so they'll be on your calendar. They're there. You've already planned for them. And it, you know, it means that you'll, you're more likely to stick to it. You won't just move it off. Things like even hair appointments, a lot of times you can book those out for, you know, months at a time. Go ahead, book it out, you know, book out your nail appointments, just, you know, your spa days, whatever is your jam, your time with your trainer, decide on the time. And then, you know, is my calendar going, you know, how do I want my calendar to look in 2023 and make it happen for yourself? Yeah, I think it's very important what you say about, you know, of course, we know schedule time off, duh, but schedule things that fill you up because so much of what we do is output and external and communicating with others that before you know it, your well is dry and you think, oh, how did I get here? Or how did I get here again? So it's really important to slate that time to just take care of yourself. And really, you know, even though all of this year end stuff can feel like I don't know, eating your Brussels sprouts. Okay, I do like Brussels sprouts. But you know what I mean? Fill in your least favorite vegetable. It's really, in the end, it is good for you, just like your least favorite vegetable. So we hope we've given you some inspiration today and that tap on the shoulder that it's time to start thinking about year-end activities. And until next time, thanks for listening to That Solo Life.